What would you think if your boss called you into the office and he said, unless you finish this project by Friday, you will be fired. Do you have any trouble understanding that directive? That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Easy to understand and certainly demands action. You want to keep your job. You don't want to get fired. Are you kids in school? Your teacher says, unless you complete your book report by tomorrow, didn't you hate book reports? Man, I always hated book reports. But if, unless you complete that book report by tomorrow, you're going to get an F in this course. Have any problem understanding that? Pretty straightforward, easy to understand. And again, logically demands a reaction. You've got to do something. If that's the case, you've got to get busy and get that book report done. All right, simple, straightforward, easy to understand. Let me give you a Bible text now. You know this one. It was one of the ones that we had as a memory verse last year. Luke 13, verse 3. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Have any trouble understanding that? That's straightforward too, easy. Easy to understand. And just like the other things we were mentioning, when you hear something like that, logic demands that you react to that. Unless you repent, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. For our lesson this morning, we want to talk about repentance. <clears throat> We've often commented, and I think it's accurately true, that repentance may be the hardest of the things that God asks us to do. We need to understand it, and we need to be practicing repentance as necessary in our lives in order to be right with God. So let's talk for a few minutes about repentance this morning. Before we get into that, we stop to thank you for being here on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. It's still February, but it seems like early spring, and uh, we are really blessed with great weather and uh, uh, a great opportunity to be together. We're glad that you're here. We're glad for all who are visiting with us today, and we hope that as we join together in worship, we'll all be encouraged and built up in important spiritual things, but we especially pray that God will be pleased with our worship. Thank you for being here this morning. Let's talk about repentance. Uh, repentance is a condition of God's forgiveness. And that's for everybody. Uh, the person who's first coming to the Lord, the, the person who first wants to obey the gospel, the, the person who wants to have forgiveness of past sins, who wants to be saved, part of this so-called plan of salvation that we plan to talk about a little more thoroughly tonight, part of this plan of salvation is repentance. And so if you've never been a child of God before, in order to become one, you've got to repent. But for those of us who are already Christians, repentance is still necessary. When we sin, when we fall short, when we need to come back to God, uh, we have to repent. And so repentance covers us all and therefore is an important subject for us all to understand. Let's begin by talking about some of the things that repentance is not. I think sometimes we can define a thing by talking about what it's not. And actually in talking about this, we expose, I believe, some faulty thinking that people have about repentance. First of all, repentance is not just covering up sins that I have committed. Uh, you know, sometimes we do things to avoid being discovered. Uh, we hide our deeds. We pretend it never happened. Little kids do this. We, we all did this probably when we were kids, when we did something that we weren't supposed to do and there was a bad outcome. We maybe tried to hide or deny that anything had happened, like, uh, you know, maybe a, a prized antique vase being broken because you were playing ball in the house when you weren't supposed to be. I'm just saying. 
I know a little bit about that from personal experience. Uh, but you try to cover that up. You don't want anybody to know. don't want mom to know for sure. But some seem like mom's always found out. But just trying to hide your deeds, cover them up, is not repentance. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Cover-ups don't work. And they certainly don't work with God because Proverbs 15, verse 3 says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. didn't seem like you could ever keep anything hidden from mom. But even if you could keep it hidden from mom, you're not going to keep it hidden from God. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. So just covering up our sins doesn't get the job done. But I'm going to tell you something else. It is not really repentance to just admit that you are a sinner. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes people try to deflect criticism or rebuke by saying something like, you're right, I'm a sinner. Have you ever had that reaction? Yeah. Well, uh, or, or someone says, I have sinned. Just acknowledging that is not repentance. It's not much of a confession because actually all of us can say, I'm a sinner, I have sinned. That's, that's a common plight of us all, wouldn't you agree? So just admitting that you've done something wrong is not repenting of the wrong that you have done. Remember back in the book of Exodus, even Pharaoh, of course he, he went back and forth on this, but at times he was willing to admit his wrong. For instance, in chapter 9, verse 27, as Moses is dealing with Pharaoh, uh, as the plagues are coming down upon the Egyptians. Pharaoh says in Exodus 9, verse 27, he called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. Well, you know the story, of course. Even though he admitted that, he didn't really change his heart and he didn't change his action and he continued on his same course of, of oppressing God's people. And so he admitted his sin, but he didn't change from his sin and he didn't repent. Now, I want, to, I want to make sure we understand, this is a necessary thing. It's a necessary part of coming to repentance, uh, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. But the problem with some people is that they're willing to admit that they're a sinner or that they have sinned, but they don't take that anywhere. They don't go any further with that, and that doesn't get us to where we need to be. We know that repentance is not just being sorry I've often suggested that if we could go to the county jail or, or any jail or prison facility for that matter, and if we could ask the guys in there, if we could take a poll, are you sorry? My guess is that they would all say, yes, I'm sorry. Sorry for one thing or another. Uh, if, if nothing else, they'd be sorry that they got caught. They'd be sorry that they're in jail. They'd be sorry that they're not able to go out and do what they want to do out in the world. They'd be sorry, but statistically we know, statistically we know they haven't repented because statistically we know that a high percentage of those who are in jail when they're let out go right back and do the same things over again. They're sorry, but they haven't repented. Maybe that's a good illustration of the thing. We've got some Bible examples of people who were like that. In Mark chapter 6, we read about Herod and the matter of John the Baptist. You remember Herod had John the Baptist killed. In Mark chapter 6, beginning verse 22, when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. 
Well, she went and asked her mother, her mother who had a grudge against John the Baptist, by the way. And, and so she came back. And after consulting with her mother, she said to Herod, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And notice the king was exceeding sorry. Notice this though. Yet for his oath's sake and their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. Well, what would you say about Herod? Did he repent? No. He was real sorry. Exceeding sorry. The Bible tells us he was. But he was still more interested in what the men around him thought than what God thought and what God would have him to do. Herod was sorry, but he certainly didn't repent. I think the example we most often refer to is that of Judas Iscariot in Matthew chapter 27, verse 3. After Judas had betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, after he saw what was about to happen, after Jesus was arrested, after it was clear he was going to be crucified, it says in Matthew 27, verse 3, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. And, of course, the account goes on to say that he went out and hanged himself. Now, this is the King James translation where it says he repented himself. And this is one of the places where the King James is not a good translation because to repent would have suggested that he had sorrow that led him to a changed course, a right course with God, and it, it didn't. And actually, the New American Standard Version makes that clear. Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that he had been condemned. Notice, he felt remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. And so, what you got in and, and you might want to make, if you, if you use the King James almost exclusively like I do, you might want to make a note in your margin right there at chapter 27, verse 3. The, the repented himself is not the right word. That's not a good translation. Uh, it's not even from the same word as the word repent. It is this idea of feeling remorse or sorrow. That's the, that's the correct rendering there. Judas is a case of a guy who was sorry, but it wasn't repentance. And so just being sorrowful is not enough. Well, some other things. It's not repentance to simply promise uh, that you will do better. You know, almost everybody in, in the throes of evil consequence will make a promise to do better. Oh, I'm not going to do that again. I promise I'll never do that again. When I was in college, there was a, 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 a freshman year in college, there was another guy in the same dorm where I lived and and he'd been raised better, but he got to where he was drinking beer with the guys a lot on the weekends, and he'd get drunk, get bad. He was really, he would really get badly drunk, and whenever he got drunk, he would look me up. I don't know whether, whether he saw me as a father figure or maybe more a mother figure. I don't know, but he would always look me up and say, oh, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm never going to do this again." And then the next weekend, he'd be right out there doing the same thing again, and so. To just promise or say, I intend to do better, is not repentance. If you, do, in fact, don't do better, promising to do better doesn't get the job done. Repentance is not just going forward at the invitation song. You know, I think sometimes we, we even use this expression in a sort of a misnomer. Uh, uh, you say to some, you know, maybe somebody who wasn't present on that given day, so-and-so so -and -so went forward on Sunday. Oh, yeah? Well, what does that mean? <laughs> he went forward. Does that mean that he, he repented? 
he really repented? He, has he changed his life? Well, we don't know. But just going forward is, is not necessarily a sign of true repentance. Uh, actually, when someone comes before the congregation to request prayers or something of that sort, that's more the idea of confession, uh, public confession. And sometimes public confession is a good thing, a necessary thing, uh, but it may or may not indicate whether a person has really repented uh, concerning the sin that is in their life. And so again, just going forward during an invitation song is not necessarily repentance. Neither is just simple reformation of your life really necessarily repentant. Now, what I'm going to change. Uh, so uh, maybe think think of this guy, you know, He's a homosexual, and he's been practicing that evil lifestyle. But he has become really, really terrified about the news he's been hearing about AIDS. And he's concerned that if he continues in his promiscuous lifestyle, he may contract AIDS. And so he determines that he's going to change some things about how he's been conducting his life so that he protects himself against that possible outcome. He reforms. Well, you know, he may change, and his motivation may be that, that we just described, but that's not real repentance. Or what about the guy who's a thief, you know? He's been making his living by stealing things, and he's done pretty well. He's been able to steal some pretty valuable things, and I guess the word that thieves use is they fence those stolen items to someone who'll buy them at pennies on the dollar, but he's been stealing enough stuff that even selling it at pennies on the dollar, he's been doing pretty well. But, you know, there have been several news stories running about these thefts that have been occurring here in our community, and, and the police are on high alert for whoever it is who's been doing this, and he knows that, and so he decides, I'm, I'm going to lay low here for a while. I'm not going to do that anymore, because I'm afraid that if I kept on doing it, I'd get caught. Has he repented? No. He may have reformed. He may have changed something, but it's not repentance in his heart. Or the lazy man. He's, here's a guy who's sinfully lazy. But he decides to go out and work. But the reason he's going out to work is because he can't get anybody to give him anything anymore. And he's pretty hungry. And he, so he's going to have to work a day or two to get a little food to eat. But he hasn't really repented of his laziness. Just as soon as he's got a couple dollars in his pocket, he'll go back to that. He's reformed maybe. Maybe even temporarily. But he hasn't really repented. He just go on. You can, you can expand the examples. Just simple reformation is not true repentance. All right, so we've got a picture of some of the things that people might mistakenly imagine of being repentance, and they're not. Well, what is repentance? Well, first of all, repentance involves a change of heart. A change of heart has to take place. Uh, the realization that we're wrong and... Uh, that we are displeasing God by the wrongs that we have committed. In the text that Jacob read earlier from 2 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning verse 9, Paul says, Now I rejoice that you were made sorry. I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that, notice, ye sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Notice. They were, he wasn't happy just that they had been made sorry. By, and by the way, he's referring to earlier rebukes that he had issued against the Corinthians. He wasn't just happy that they were sorry, 
but they sorrowed, notice they sorrowed to repentance. Their sorrow led them to repentance. And so uh, this is the idea that we're talking about. In Psalm 51, where David expresses his heartfelt sorrow for the sin of, most people think the sin that he committed with Bathsheba. In Psalm 51, beginning verse 3, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Uh, David had a real sorrow of heart that changed his life, that led him to a change. So, first of all, the first part of true repentance, biblical repentance, is this change of heart. That's a critical first step, but it does then have to lead to a change in life. And I think this is the way we usually define repentance. If you were called upon to offer a definition, what is repentance, I think that probably gets it. It's a change of heart about sin that leads to a change in life. Jesus, I think, really pictured repentance so perfectly in Matthew 21 when he asked about he asked his disciples how would they judge a case of a man who had two sons. He said, what think ye? A certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, notice, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he said, I go, sir, and went not. Whither them twain did the will of the Father. Well, I think the answer to Jesus' question is pretty obvious. But I want you to, I want you to notice this picture of repentance that he explained. So the father comes to the son. He says, go out in the field and work. He says, I'm not going. But later, he repented. Well, when he repented, what did he do? He went and worked like his father told him to do it. So he, he had that change of heart, but it clearly led him to a change in action. And that's what we're describing when we talk about true repentance. In the case of John the Baptist, John the Baptist taught a message of repentance. And notice how he described it in Luke chapter 3, beginning verse 8. Now, this is from John the Baptist. He said, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Concentrate on that first expression for a minute. In other words, if I've repented, then I've had that change of heart, but it needs to be shown or demonstrated by what I do. Other people ought to be able to see the fruits of that in my life. I've had the change of heart, but it's led me to a change. Uh, I've had the change of heart, led me to a change in action. Uh, again, let's read this all. John the Baptist says, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. He that hath uh, meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said to them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded him, saying, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. John says, he uses this word fruits. He says, You bring forth the fruits of repentance. And what he's basically saying is, when you've had that change of heart, you live in such a way that it's obvious, that it's demonstrated in your actions, a change of heart that leads to a change in action. Paul warned about, what would happen if we did not? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning verse 20, he says, I fear lest when I come I shall not find you such as I would, and that ye shall be found, in, and that I should be found unto you such as ye would not, lest there be debates, envyings, wraths, strifes, backbiting, whisperings, swellings, tumults, 
And lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you and that I shall bewail. Notice, many which have sinned already and have not repented. Uh, he speaks of uncleanness and fornication, lasciviousness, which they have committed. So, Paul says, I pray when I come, there are going to be things going on in the church there that should not be going on. And the, and the problem will be that people have sinned, but they haven't repented. So here, this was even in the church at Corinth. He said, I'm afraid when I get there, I'm going to find all this bad stuff going on. And what it's going to indicate is that people haven't repented of the wrongs that they have committed. So putting all that together, you would argue, if I, if I repent, people should see that in my life. But on the other hand, if I haven't truly repented, people will see that in my life too because I'm going to, they're going to be able to observe that I'm continuing on to do the things that I was doing before. Repentance should be obvious. A change of heart about sin that leads to a change of life. Go back to Luke 13.3 again. We started out with that. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's easy and straightforward. We can understand that. And our question this morning is, have you? Have you repented and has it changed, has it changed you? If you're not yet a Christian, you've heard, you've believed, and you want to be right with God, you must repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. So for those who are not yet Christian, this is one of those vital steps you must take to be right with God. If we can assist you in making those steps and helping you obey God, let us know this morning. If you're a Christian already, that necessity of repentance still exists for us. When we sin and do what's wrong, we've got to repent and come back to God in confession and prayer. If you need the prayers of the as an erring Christian, we'd be glad to pray with you and for you. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing. I'm calling